right, welcome back to More Quality Time. I'm here with my co-host, Lauren. Hi. And we're thrilled to have you back. It's been a few weeks, and we have some exciting news. Lauren? We went up to New York. We were planning to have a staycation because, sadly, our Californian um, road trip West Coast road trip was cancelled because of the natural disaster, not the pandemic. And uh, so we cancelled that. We went to New York for a staycation. We had a fabulous time. We were going to just start looking for apartments just to get a feel for it. The experience was horrific. The worst ever, truly. Worse than ever before. Um, but then we saw something great and we jumped on it and now we've got it. Exactly. So we're so coming back. Coming back to Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Um, but... This week, uh, we have my friend Jake Mainwaring, who is from Richmond, Virginia, um, and has spent last few years in the Bay Area. Um, and until you know the beginning of the pandemic, was SF based, and now he is a digital nomad. Yeah. And so, Lauren, how was the conversation? It was great. Jake was really excited to be on the pod, which we love. Um, and yeah, we had a really wide ranging conversation about the last few months. I think he's, you know, like all of us had a turbulent time, um, moved out of San Francisco, did an epic cross country road trip, um, talked about politics. Yeah, it was all, all of the above. All right. Well, I can't wait to take a listen. Come along. Hey, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. What have you been up to? Where in the world are you? I'm in San Francisco. Um, it's not smoky anymore. Yeah, say more. Yeah. You've been there while the fires have been raging? Yeah, um, like a week or two ago, uh, the air quality index was like, I think, like over 200. And mm-hmm. we were in quite a bind because with COVID, you're like encouraged to hang out outside. And then with the smoke, you're encouraged to not be outside. So right. it kind of put us in quite the pickle, but yeah, Solid it's better now though. So confinement only. Yeah. But yeah, it's been okay. I've been here for, I think like three-ish weeks now for some hand treatment stuff. So it's been good to be back, kind of a reunion tour of sorts. Yeah. So tell me about your journey through COVID. You began in San Francisco and now you're back. What's happened in the meantime? Yeah, it's been, it's been like the, I guess the longest and shortest six months. It's, I don't know. I feel like I've lost all sense of time. Um, But yeah, I came, um, I like, I actually heard about COVID and was like concerned about COVID before most people because uh, my roommate at the time works in biotech. And so he basically, my dad was visiting and he came back. We were (laughs) watching, my dad and I were watching the Jonas Brothers documentary, which is pretty good. I recommend it. Mm -hmm. And like, he kind of tells us about this COVID thing and we're like, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't seem like it's going to be that bad in the U S he's like, no, it's going to be horrible. And like lays all of his points out. And then he's like, anyways, I gotta go. So I'll see you guys later. (laughs) My dad and I are like, uh, so everything um, predicted came true. Yeah, he was, he was right. Yeah. And so I've been a few different places. I've been, um, I've been, so I was there and then I was in Virginia for a while. Um, Charlottesville initially, and then Richmond for a while. Um, I was in Philadelphia for a little bit for some hand treatment. Um, and then we actually, uh, my dad and Luke and I did a road trip. Like when we went to move my stuff out of San Francisco in July, we, um, we flew out there and then like packed everything that I own and got rid of some stuff into like a, like a big, like black Chevy suburban. Like we looked like we were in the secret service (laughs) and drove all the way back, like the Southern route. So and then, yeah, now I've been back out here. So I've, I've kind of been all over the place, but fortunately have so far evaded the virus. Yeah. So how, what point in time did you flee San Francisco? That was, so it was in, um, I think it was like mid to late March because mm-hmm. um, Abby and Luke, like my siblings, for those who don't know, um, they came out to visit, I think the first weekend in March and then that was right around the time things were happening and then they left 
and then the next weekend um luke contracted covid in new york um and so i was definitely not cool and composed when that happened because um you know like i said i had been doomsday prepping for a while but Mm -hmm. but yeah i um i've yeah, I think I left like mid to late March and that was like kind of in the midst of like the full lockdown situation. Yeah, because the situation in California was pretty, like they t- went pretty hard pretty early, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, they, um, I, our mayor, London Breed, um, announced like a official like stay at home order. And I remember, I think that was probably like, you know, sometime around late February, early March. And mm-hmm. I remember a lot of people, especially like, those on a certain side of the political spectrum were like oh my god look at this ridiculous city like overreacting this virus is like the flu etc um and then you know a couple weeks later (laughs) it actually like turned out i mean honestly san francisco has like done surprisingly well yeah Um, i always i I I never because you hear about that california has been really terrible but but Mm -hmm. surprising to hear that san francisco isn't really included in that right yeah and it's been like i think you know it's obviously hard to say why there's always lots of factors but um i would say like the different places that i've been like people in san francisco take it really really seriously like my friend alex um got yelled at for being on a run without a mask (laughs) like a couple weeks ago um so yeah so you left san francisco in mid to late march and then you went to Charlottesville and then ended up in Richmond with your family and yes. it was all three grown-up kids in your mom's small house <laughs> um tell us more about that I thought it was a lot of bodies and a lot of personalities yeah it was um it was a tight squeeze um but yeah so my my mom lives like the west end of Richmond and um it's not a large place. I love it, but it's not, it's not spacious. It's not a word I would use. And so uh, for working from home adults, right? (laughs) Yeah, actually, yeah, it was actually five for a while. Yeah. When Abby's boyfriend, Alex came. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it was um, my mom in her room and then Abby in her room with Alex for about a month. And then Luke and I were largely um, sharing (laughs) a bed that was, it's been debated if it's a fool or a queen, but either way, it's not. <laughs> yeah. So, but we've, we've kind of made it work because like my dad lives close by, so he didn't have an extra bedroom initially, but he's set one up. So we've, we've managed to make it work, but honestly, I know this sounds very like corny, but it was actually really fun to be like really packed together. Um, like I remember one, like one Friday night, the five of us were there and, um, there's obviously nothing to do. And so my mom and Abby made this like, or mostly my mom made this like amazing hors d'oeuvre spread and like all these cool cheeses and stuff. And then we played, like we basically did charades or sorry, um, uh, improv for like like two hours. Like none of us have ever done improv before. And we also like didn't know how to do it. So it was kind of weird because we like, we had scenes, but they were like, you people were like playing friends that we knew it wasn't just like someone like at the coffee shop so it was kind of weird but the the funny part about that was um i remember so people were saying like like you know after the fact everyone was like wow like abby you did way better than everyone expected and jake you like weren't as good as people expected (laughs) (laughs) and abby and i were like wow, that was actually, you You all were actually able to insult both of us simultaneously yeah. at the same time. That was like really impressive. Yeah. But yeah, it, it like it, as much as it was definitely like a tight squeeze, um, it actually was a lot of fun. Yeah. So like, what are you going to be your lasting memories of that time? And do you think it's like changed your relationship as a family? Definitely. I mean, it's... Um, like we all we all get along really well um like my parents are not together anymore but the five of us or sometimes like the six of us with um my stepmom we actually get along really really well um even when we have to like share small beds um <laughs> luke had his gripes apparently i sleep talk sometimes but <laughs> um but like but we, yeah we get along really well and especially with us having been spread out um 
uh, you know, me being in San Francisco, Luke in New York, Abby in DC, um, really like the only time we usually would spend together is over the holidays um, for like an extended period of time. And, um, and even then, you know, there's traveling and stuff, but being able to like, just hang out the five of us, six of us, um, like when you and Jack came over, it like when Luke had busted out the DJ stacks, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I don't know. I actually have really enjoyed that a lot. And yeah. I think, um, not to get all meta, like in the first 10 minutes, but <laughs> I, I think doing that, like it kind of shows you that. I think sometimes, especially like when you're in your twenties, you have this conception of like, oh, well, what's a fun night? A fun night is mm. pre-games and bars and parties and dancing and everything. Um, and I think the dancing part's always true, but <laughs> like, I think the, I don't know. I, I've, I've actually had a ton of fun hanging out in like two small groups, you know, three, four five people yeah. with people you really care about. And um, I'm, I'm really interested to see if like that, kind of shifts the way that people socialize even mm-hmm. when COVID's not a thing you know totally yeah we t- I, when I'm speaking to Jack a few weeks ago Jack Freed um we talked also about the like expectations of your 20s and um yeah it's funny how we are all so burdened by you know what you're supposed to be doing and it's true like the the most fun times are with the closest people not with a thousand strangers mm-hmm yeah, yeah, and I mean, it's been nice. I haven't been like waking up with like pounding headaches or like, mm-hmm. you know, spending a bunch of money on like, you know, sh- bar stuff like that. So yeah. yeah, it's been it's been good. But um, yeah, like what about what about you? What have been like the the highlights in terms of like, you know, or or maybe just insights if they haven't mm-hmm. all been. <laughs> yeah in terms of like the socializing aspect versus like being in new york yeah i mean it's totally shifted my perspective about i mean i think i always was kind of a smaller group person and i always am like you know just want to be with my people um but it's Mm -hmm. true i feel like you you know you go out in big cities and you're always like looking for the time and sometimes you like spend a whole night like hopping around trying to find the time when Mm -hmm. in reality it's with the people that you want to be with and it's not like about a place or a a, you know a scene or anything like that and and I was going to ask you I feel like you you in particular have been the like leader in virtual (laughs) gatherings I remember we had the speaking of like not wasting money on drinking too much I have like completely lost my ability to drink more than like two drinks and Uh I remember um one like virtual happy hour we did with you on like a Saturday night it was like early COVID because I remember it was the night that they all the famous people did some like telethon something or other oh yeah um you had like a virtual happy hour game night thing and I just drank too much and had too much fun and I was very sad the following day (laughs) (laughs) well it's easy to it's easy to overdo it if you're like sitting down and not moving around because you like don't realize (laughs) and there's no line and there's no barrier to entry (laughs) right exactly sometimes those barriers are helpful practice totally yeah no but it's been yeah I mean I I think it's funny because um initially like in the first few months I feel like you know the zoom hangouts were huge right there's like the um the like happy hour type stuff the the game stuff was big like I I was playing a lot of code names the first few months um I even my birthday was late April and like you know if you, you know there was like a fair amount of people like we hopped on like a birthday zoom I have to say that was one of the most um unusual experiences because like I (laughs) the way that I had set it up was like first of all there was a better turnout than I expected which is good but then like in order to manage it you know for those who may have attended like there was various breakout room sessions <laughs> um, i never knew about the breakout room feature until that event. oh yeah i'm a big breakout room guy yeah yeah i've <laughs> actually like, been on any other breakout room events other than wait that. really no. wow the first and last breakout room <laughs> session <laughs> I, but it was it was actually helpful because like 
basically the flow was that everyone would convene and um i felt like i had to talk and like facilitate but it was really stressful because there's a lot of people and like i was i was with tevin and katie my friends so i wasn't completely by myself but like everyone was on mute and i kept cracking these jokes and like they were some of them were high quality and just silence <laughs> and i'm like oh tough crowd and then you look and like people are cracking up with sound off and then it's just really weird yeah. uh so that was like you don't realize how much like those types of cues help to like inform a conversation mm -hmm. um but it was it was actually like super like exhausting it was it kind of reminded me of when i was doing like grad school teaching because mm -hmm. you have to be on and like facilitate stuff the whole time mm -hmm. and so like when i would i would kind of do that and then like hit like okay breakout rooms and then i would be able to like breathe <laughs> yeah so that was nice I know. I, th I thought it was so fun that like being put together with people you don't know and you just have to like make it work and right. <laughs> yeah, it was a really yeah. funny situation. Yeah. There were some, uh, there were some funny matches. There were, I think there were one or two times where a couple of people that had dated one another may have oh. ended up in, <laughs> 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 um, I, I, you know, it's sort of, it's, it happens, you know, Very by funny. chance. But one thing that's funny about like the, the virtual hangouts was, I feel like it was a big thing for like the first couple mm -hmm. months. And so then I think people like really got fatigued and like got really over it by like May or so, maybe like yeah. May or June. The novelty totally wore off. Yeah. And I feel like, like, I don't know if you experienced this too, but I feel like it was people sort of decided like, okay, I, I need to like not do that. And I would rather hang out with a couple really good friends in person yeah. rather than even like five or 10 of my closest friends virtually, because yeah. it just kind of feels, it, it's just not quite the same still, yeah. but I don't know if you feel oh, the uh, same no, way. Yeah. I completely agree. I think in the first few weeks and months, like we were living in this wild time and it was like this wild thing to be doing. And it was, there was totally a novelty. And then after a while, we like the reality of it all just set in and, and it was like, we don't actually need to do this. <laughs> yeah. Especially for those who are like on meetings and like virtual yeah. calls a lot for work. Like mm -hmm. I know that was one thing that Abby was saying is she was like, I'm on calls all day long. And like yeah. the last thing I want to do is like finish my work day on a Friday and then just get onto another Zoom. Okay. Like you could, yeah. you could easily sit in the same seat, staring at the same computer from mm -hmm. the moment you sit down to the moment you go to bed yep pretty much yeah. yeah one one uh tweet from this like tech person i follow is she was like today was a good day i started off looking at my tiny screen and then i looked at my uh medium screen for a while <laughs> and then i looked at my big screen before bed <laughs> yeah it's all good if you don't end on the tiny screen right yeah exactly <laughs> and you're yeah. a high achieving grown-up right exactly Tell me more about your trip across the country. You travel from San Francisco to Richmond. What stops did you hit along the way? We had a pretty smooth move out. Um, and then, yeah, we drove, we took the Southern route. So we went down through, um, like, uh, took the Pacific Coast Highway down to, um, through, uh, like, the Grand Canyon area. And then went through um, the southern route. So we went to like Oklahoma through um, Albu uh, it was Albuquerque and then Oklahoma City. And then um, we went through like the Ozarks actually. And then up through southwest, like sort of like Tennessee, southwest Virginia area. And it's funny because two of the places that we stayed were settings for shows that Luke really liked mm -hmm. <laughs> uh albuquerque for breaking bad and then the ozarks for ozark of course mm -hmm. and it's funny because i have since seen ozark and have now been watching breaking bad and i'm like kind of pissed that i didn't have that context beforehand because mm -hmm. when i was there i was kind of like oh, okay <laughs> um but but anyways yeah the road trip was great it was like my dad and luke and me um and uh, none of us have actually done a cross-country road trip before, even my dad. Um, so it was like all of our first times. And it was, I would say like relaxing is actually a way, like probably like the best word to describe it, which believe it or not, like 
there were a lot of <laughs> potential things that could have gone wrong and one that nearly did. Um, for those who haven't heard, we got a flat tire on um, the Pacific Coast Highway around 8 p.m. as the sun was setting and there was no cell service. Um, <laughs> I didn't know about this. Yeah, yeah. And my dad is like one of the most like calm, cool, collected people ever. And he was really concerned. And so Luke and I were like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it was, I don't know why, but for some reason, those like the Chevy Suburban type cars are so hard to get the spare tire out of. You have to like put this weird contraption together that like, is these like multiple parts that you have to like somehow weave into the like part below the trunk to unlatch this thing to then like lower the tire out it was that was a huge nightmare but we actually got it replaced like right before the sun finished setting and we're actually good to go there wow. um, so that yeah that worked out um the grand canyon was cool but i think we all agreed it was really cool for about 20 minutes <laughs> like, Interesting. At least for, yeah because we didn't do any we didn't do any of the hiking um i think that makes it more interesting but for us we just kind of went to the overlooked and so we like you know we looked over and we we're like wow that's crazy i can't believe how deep it is and then we walk a few more minutes and then we look and we're like still deep <laughs> still crazy and yeah. then you know another 10 minute walk and it's still the same thing and we're like okay Cool. That was cool. We got our we got our photo ops. Like I think it's time. Uh, <laughs> That's so interesting. Jack and I went. You knew about our West Coast road trip, right? Right. When we were gonna go and spend time in the Grand Canyon, and we just cancelled it because of all the fire situation. Right. Um, but that's interesting to know for next time yeah. when we rebook. Yeah, I do think it is worth seeing. But like yeah. the way that Luke and I kind of were thinking of it is like it's definitely worth seeing if you're mm -hmm. passing by, but mm -hmm. it's probably not something that you would want to like center a trip around. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but one thing that was actually really fun about the trip was um, we were, we did an audiobook like on the way mm -hmm. and it was, um, it was the book, it was called how, I think it's called how to change your mind um, mm -hmm. by Michael Pollan. It's all about basically like different, um, use cases for psychedelic drugs for mm -hmm. a bunch of different um like a bunch of different um ailments um the main ones they talk about are i think like depression ptsd um i think ocd but one that was really interesting was actually like for terminal cancer patients to sort of ease like end of life anxiety mm -hmm. um but yeah it was it was really interesting because i thought like I kind of thought it was going to be like super anecdotal, super like, you know, I know a guy who tried this and it was helpful. So therefore you should try it. But I have to think he did like a really great job of kind of presenting like a pretty balanced view. Um, mm -hmm. And there was actually a lot more um, like clinical trials on it than I thought. So that was one of the highlights, I would say. Right. How interesting. Yeah. Let's yeah. Um, circle back to recommendations at the end. Oh, yeah, for sure. I have plenty. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so the purpose of the trip was you were moving your stuff out of San Francisco. Mm -hmm. why, why were you done with SF? Yeah, so I definitely left on terms that I wasn't planning to leave on. Like I'm, I'm kind of the type that likes to have a plan. <laughs> like mm -hmm. I like to think about where am I, like, what am I going to be doing in two years, four years, et cetera. And COVID it doesn't give a shit about your plans, no. um, you know, so that's been, I, I think it's been actually probably good for a lot of people is to like realize that you do have to maintain some level of like flexibility because you can have every single detail planned, but stuff comes up and it's just, you know, you kind of have to adapt. But, but yeah, I mean, I was, um, I was planning on probably staying out there for like another year or year and a half. Um, cause I was working, uh, like I had done grad school out there and then was working at Airbnb in the city. Um, and so, yeah, that was like a really good setup. And then, um, I wasn't like, once I kind of came back for, um, like March, April time period, I wasn't sure what the future would hold. And then, um, like when Airbnb had to lay off, you know, like 
25, 30% of people, including myself. Um, that was, I think that was sort of the, the nail in the coffin where it, we sort of said like, it doesn't make sense to have an apartment out there. Um, I'm not coming back at least for the foreseeable future. Um, mm -hmm. And so that was, yeah, it was definitely like, I, I know my, some of my family members were like happy to have me back. Um, I was sad to leave on those terms, but like it was actually a pretty common occurrence. Like a lot of, a lot of my friends um, have like in San Francisco and Oakland have since like relocated um, either back with their families or on the East coast. So, you know, it's not, I think a lot of times like with nostalgia, you, you kind of long for like, you think that you long for the specific place, but you really mm -hmm. long for like the place when people were there. Yeah. And so like, that's been, that's some, one thing I've noticed as I've been back is that it's, it's just not, it's not what it was when I, um, you know, when I was like in the midst of everything. So it's sort of an odd feeling. Yeah. So, yeah. So you talked about like, um, you had a plan and the plans changed and I'm sure like in January you never expected to now not be working in that job. And so what was that like process like and, and how are you going to like remember that for the future? Yeah. I mean, it was, um, I think like even, even stuff like that, there actually can be a lot of good. Mm -hmm. And, um, it was, I mean, the plan that I kind of had was, um, I, you know, I wanted to stay there for a few years and then maybe transfer to either like an Airbnb office in New York or some other, you know, Spotify or um, Twitter or something like that in New York. Mm -hmm. um, and so, but then the, the, the thing that was one part of my like plan that I didn't really know how to kind of square was that I was also really interested in like political stuff mm -hmm. um policy and and like any type of like political data like engineering stuff and i didn't really know how that was gonna fit in I, I kind of i think i kind of had this vague idea of oh well you know the technology jobs are good you know i have to pay off my student loans blah 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 but like at some point when the time is right i know that i will work on a campaign or work do some type of policy work for mm -hmm. a time period um, and this was sort of a like a good forcing function because when the like when all the layoffs happened and like the severance and everything, um, I was actually I, I wasn't like I was really fortunate to not have to be scrambling to like find the next job that I could within weeks because um, I think Airbnb opted to lay off more people but do it in like a really humane and like mm. compassionate way, um, and so I kind of initially was just sort of trying to figure out what to do, but then it kind of dawned on me that I would, this would actually be like a good time to try and do uh, some campaign work and some kind of volunteer political data work. Um, I don't know if anyone listening has heard, but there's some important elections that are happening in November. Oh, um, Matt has some international listeners. Tell, give us like a sense of you know, for me as an outsider being here, it's, and I've always been like pretty interested in American politics, but mm. being here and like living it in real time is so fascinating. And obviously this is like the craziest election that we've known in our lifetime. And so like, tell us more about what you're doing and, um, and why it's so important and, you know, what's at stake, if that's not too much. <laughs> no, no, I mean, yeah, I'm happy to talk about it. And I guess I should give a disclaimer, which is that I, I'm not necessarily coming at this as a like neutral, mm -hmm. independent voter. I definitely am left of center. Uh, so, you know, disclaimer, I guess. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was actually thinking that the best, um, the best thing to do would be to work on a close Senate race. Um, so there's a, there's a number of Senate races this year that are going to be close, like some that come to mind, um, like Arizona, Maine, Colorado, North Carolina, Montana, Iowa. Um, and so I actually thought that was going to be like the sort of biggest bang for my buck in terms of like, you know, helping out on something that's super important, um, but not so like, 
structured and hierarchical that I won't be able to get involved. And so I, I sort of went into it thinking that that would be like the best option. Um, but it was a lot harder to get involved, even for volunteer like political mm -hmm. data work than I expected. Um, and I, I did study some political stuff in undergrad and like some of my like data research in grad school was like politically oriented, but even with that, it still, um, it still was pretty hard. And so, yeah, I was, I was looking at different Senate races, but um, it's, it's super like complicated in terms of working on campaigns because what happens is like, there's the DNC, like the Democratic National Committee, and then they like kind of help coordinate stuff with races. Then there's like individual organizations for like Democratic Senate and House races. And then each campaign has their own team. And then each state has their own Democratic uh -huh. Party. And like, yeah, and then there's like political consulting. So it's like super messy. But, um, but yeah, I ended up like that didn't really pan out. And I think part of it was that it, I would have had to probably go to like live in one of the states Mm -hmm. I didn't really have any ties there. And then like, fortunately, after a while, it actually ended up being that I uh, was able to find something with like the sort of Virginia Democratic organization. Um, and so I thought it was going to be more just working on the um, Mark Warner Democratic race this year. But it looks like because that one looks like he has a, at least, you know, knock on wood, has a pretty steady lead in the polls, but it ended up being like the sort of down ballot. So, you know, Biden um, and then uh, Mark Warner and then like congressional races in Virginia as well. Like the one in uh, the district where Jack and my parents live, Virginia 7, will be um, a pretty close one as well. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, that, that was sort of like, and so basically like what I've been doing is I haven't, I haven't, uh, it, I'm pretty new, so I haven't done a ton yet, but it's mostly more so around, less around like, hey, everyone, here's why you should vote for Joe Biden instead of Donald Trump, um, which I could provide some reasons for, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's more so around like making sure that voters have um, information for how to vote, you know, mm -hmm. like what's the deal with requesting absentee ballots? Can you vote early? Um, where am I going to be voting? Like, you know, what if I'm registered in, um, in one state? Like, you know, if I lived in California, but I've been at my parents' place in Virginia, et cetera. Uh, so it's more so just around like trying to help people um, get information. But, mm -hmm. but in terms of the, the question around kind of what's, what's the broader context? So, um, yeah, I mean, so honestly, I would say that ever since Donald Trump won, I've felt like the whole thing has been sort of surreal. Mm. Um, just, I feel like, yeah, I feel like if you had told me like where we would be in, in like 2014, I'd be like, what? Like, are you reading that Michael Pollan book too? Like, <laughs> um, but, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's basically, there's a lot at stake. So um, right now, like Republicans have a small lead in the Senate. Um, which has serious implications. Like one really clear and relevant example is like when um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg unfortunately passed away lately. Um, you know, there was a lot of um, a lot of back and forth about four years ago when um, the Senate Republicans, mostly Mitch McConnell, refused to let um, Merrick Garland be voted on mm -hmm. because they said it was too soon before an election. And this was in March, I think. <laughs> and then now fast forward four years and it's uh, September, but because Republicans have a majority by a few votes um, and mostly all of them have signed on, they're most likely gonna be able to get a conservative justice appointed um, before the election. Um, and so that, that has big implications. I mean, honestly, it could even impact the actual election because like, that's one thing Ted Cruz and Donald Trump have been talking about is, um, they want to get this confirmation done because if, you know, if it has to get uh, decided by the Supreme Court, obviously they want people on their side. Um, so yeah, there's a, there's a lot at stake. And I, I think like, you know, I don't, I try not to be too alarmist. Like I've, I've heard someone like my friend used the phrase doom scrolling like <laughs> when you like read something that scares you and then you like read seven more articles about it. I try not to do that too much. Um, but there's, I think there's like some reason to believe that this election is going to be an absolute shitstorm. Um, you know, it's just, there's like administrative questions around 
ballots counts. Um, you know, every state runs elections differently. It's um, which is probably good in the sense that it's not run by the current administration, but you know, there's still a lot that can happen. So yeah, I mean, I, I think most people listening are probably already planning on voting. I don't think that I'm going to change their minds, but if you're thinking maybe not, um, you should. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's, I mean, it's fascinating to be an observer. Like I'm, I feel like I'm really noticing that focus on like getting people to vote. I don't know if it's always like that around this time or if it's special, you know, unusual for this cycle, but um, even in the last few weeks, I feel like the the conversation is really around voting and make sure you're registered to vote. And, and I, I feel, I've even had this conversation with Jack where I feel like it's not, it hasn't really been talked about a lot in the past about how the, all the barriers that exist to, um, to voting and how, you know, I think some people think you know if you live in like a you know privileged situation and it's not hard and you've got easy access but that's not true for everybody and for my cohort of people from another country well where we come from it's like the it's compulsory and so it's it's like impossible for us to even imagine that this is that you have to you know make an effort to vote because for us it's, you get in trouble if you don't yeah no i mean and like i would say i probably I don't know about compulsory, but like I am very much in favor of like not making it really hard to vote. Yeah. Um, and uh, and yeah, I mean it's um, like you know I'm I'll I will not go on a tirade. I will keep this brief. Um, but like <laughs> there, I, I think most people know that there's um, the U.S. has a very long and rich history of um, making it hard to vote, and especially for certain groups. Um, and so. Um, it's it's kind of concerning because there was actually like in 2013 there was a case called Shelby v. Holder um, again Eric Holder who was the um, I think Attorney General at the time mm -hmm. and basically the case um, was the the main uh, ruling was that um, there had been some stuff from like civil rights acts back in um, the 60s that basically identified places largely in the South that had made it harder for black people to vote and basically made, made it such that they needed to um, get like any changes to polling closures and stuff like that approved uh, because of this history. And then basically this ruling decided by like a narrow conservative margin um, that those were no longer necessary. Um, and actually like the, the words of the late Ruth Bader Ginsburg, which I thought was a great analogy is she said, um, she said that getting rid of this is like throwing away a umbrella in the middle of a rainstorm because you're not wet. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, anyways, it's, it's, yeah, I, it's, you don't have to look that hard to find examples of, um, it, it being difficult to vote in the U S so it's, yeah, it's, fascinating. Yeah, it's odd. We have an all for sure. For sure. Okay, yeah. And not to mention the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, that too. Uh, and I, I mean, I think there's a lot of like really tough questions around. People are saying like, is it safe to go vote in person? Like, what if you can do it early? Like, is it is it actually worse than, uh, you know, going to the grocery store? And then there's like, there's now especially with like the concerns about um, it, the election being like, you know, tampered with in some way. Now some Democrats are deciding if they should urge people to vote early in person rather than voting by mail, just because there's cases yeah. where um, paper ballots can be thrown out for like not following certain rules. So yeah, I mean, I think the only thing that I do know is that no one knows anything. <laughs> it's just wow. completely wow. crazy. Well. Stay tuned. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Maybe like, I don't know, I feel like this is also a political question, but talking about San Francisco and um, New York as well, I feel like there's a lot of conversation right now about like the future of cities and um, New York and San Francisco in particular, I feel like have felt the exodus of young people like us as, mm -hmm. who, who no longer live there. Um, and what, what do you think? You talked before about um, that San Francisco is not what it was. Is it going to come back? What Do you see yourself living in a city long term or are you done with that forever? 
Yeah, I mean, it's a really good question. I and mean, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's actually funny you ask that because um, I remember uh, Jack and I, and I think Luke probably, I think it was this most recent uh, like holiday season, uh, we were, we have an annual tradition of going to Applebee's. <laughs> my mom got us Applebee's gift cards. <laughs> Shout out to my mom. Thank you. Uh, best $10 money can buy. <laughs> uh, but anyways, um, I remember when we were there and we were, we were like, you know, on our city's high horse, you know, can't imagine not living in a city. We're such city slickers now, you know, we, you know, we take public transit, blah, blah, blah. Um, and like, we, we felt we, we were actually like, the question was actually not like, will we be in cities? The question was more around like what will happen when we are older and like potentially have kids um, because being obviously, you know, that, that like raises and presents like some additional challenges, um, you know, like some, I think some people do believe, and maybe this is true that like it is good for kids to have like some space to kind of run around and be outside and stuff. Um, and so that was sort of the conversation then. And I remember all of us were very much like, Oh, the only decision is like New York or DC. <laughs> um, but but it's like you know it's interesting is now like you're saying a lot of people have have kind of left and while I do think that when this ends um, some people return I I think there are I I mean I already know of some people that are like definitively not planning on doing that I have uh, like some two of my closest friends um, are actually uh, like thinking of buying a house sort of in like the suburbs of DC more so like uh, Maryland area because they have a um, they have like a student loan forgiveness program actually where they like get rid of some student loan debt if you buy a house there um, and so I like yeah it's really interesting um, but I so I know of some people that are doing that already um, I would say personally like I I will most likely be in a city for the foreseeable future like I think um, once things are like calmed down which is a big question mark um, I think New York will probably be the next next uh spot for me but uh just because I I don't know I, most of my friends live in the New York area DC area um so that's sort of the decision point for me but and then and then jobs as well but um but yeah I mean I really do think like I I have some I have some friends especially those who are like not so much into like going to huge parties and clubs and stuff um, who have like lately not been living in cities and have, I think they've been surprised how much they liked it, mm. you know? And yeah. I, I don't think they're going to go back. So it is super interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about how, like in the past, what were you doing and how were you spending your time and what was, you know, making you happy versus now? And, and what do you think, is going to be the long lasting effect of that. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely very different. <laughs> That's like the high level. Um, yeah. I mean, I like in San Francisco, um, like for the couple of years I was there, um, I definitely like to stay busy. Um, so I, I was pretty fortunate. Like my, my work hours weren't terrible. So I, you know, probably usually not more than like 50 hours a week or so. Um, so I did that and I, I really liked hanging out at the office. Like we had, um, a lot of, like my team was really close. We had a lot of good friends there and we ate a lot of meals together and, um, just, yeah, I was, I wasn't ever like in a hurry to get out of the office because I just really liked being there. Um, so that was, that was good. And it was, you know, there were times where it was stressful, but, um, overall like pretty decent work-life balance and felt like I learned a lot. So that was good. Um, and then. Otherwise, um, I am a huge podcast person. <laughs> mm -hmm. So this is you know, quite the honor. I mean, really, it's, I've been preparing for this moment for years. But, uh, you know, I do really, I know that we've discussed that you're also a big podcast person. Mm -hmm. I know Jack is too. There have definitely been times where I threw out what I thought was going to be an original hot take. 
and you guys were like, yeah, that was on Pivot. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, shit, you're it. right. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I thought I had a really cool, insightful thing to say, but yeah, no, no, that no, was actually <laughs> um, but, uh But yeah, so I definitely was big into podcasts and still am. Um, so mostly for those, it's a lot of technology, economics, law, pod, uh, uh, politics, music, like any of that. Um, and the and uh, psychology stuff like that. So that was good. And then a lot of a lot of music. Um, so I I was singing like I was in like a kind of like trio singing group with um, two really good friends from UVA, Alex Fabian and Ari Moladina. Shout out. Um, they're both really amazing. And um, Ari has actually recently moved to Colorado area. But so we were doing that. That was a lot of fun. Uh, just like guitar, some piano, singing, like three-part harmonies and stuff. Um, and that was awesome. And But, you know, hasn't really been happening lately. And then I was also actually making a lot of music for fun. Like, um, I actually kind of ventured into the world of, like, hip-hop beats. <laughs> People are like, oh, you rap? I'm like, God, no. Like, <laughs> I can kind of sing, like... I will, ne- I promise I will never rap, no matter like how fire this beat is, I will never try it. Um, but yeah, so I was doing a lot of that. And then I think the other main thing was like a lot of socializing. I just really love to like go out, um, like hang out with friends, like at the park. I love, I- I'm actually not a big fan of like going to clubs or bars. Like I will like take a house get together any day of the week over that, just because you can pick the music you have space to dance, which is another thing I like to do a lot. Um, and like, you don't have to spend like $15 on a like gin and tonic and a little plastic cup. Right. <laughs> um, so like I, I was doing a lot of that. Um, and there's a lot of really cool people I was meeting in San Francisco and Oakland. Um, and again, not doing too much of that these days. Um, and I actually pretty much never watched TV. Um, I just, I don't know. I like, I felt like like I I think there's this sort of like productivity fetish where I felt like I like always had to be like learning a new coding language or like picking up something or or doing something with friends but I just you know other than like sometimes some tv with roommates I didn't do too much of that but the last six seven months have looked quite different (laughs) so um I think one of the main differences actually is that I've been reading a lot um or I guess I should say audiobook um, I have some haters, uh, that say that audiobooks don't count. <laughs> I won't name them, but, you know, uh, I personally disagree very, very strongly with that notion. Um, I actually... Snobby and elitist. Like, right? I know. Information is entering your brain in the same Exactly. Way. And they're like, yeah, but you don't retain it. I'm like, no, you don't retain it. I yeah. do. Because I actually can, like, I get, when I read, like, a paper book for some reason, it just makes me really tired. But like when I hear an audiobook, especially when it's read by the narrator, or sorry, by the um, the author, like I think that's really nice because you kind of hear their own story. Like yeah. one good example is um, the like the Trevor Noah book, mm-hmm. uh, which is so good. Like it's a super super easy read and so interesting. Um, but it's read by him, and it's great mm-hmm. to like hear someone tell their own story. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I've read way more than usual, um, and then I've watched a lot more tv as well like the main shows that i've been i've been doing uh i watched mad men which is really good i've never seen it before um it's so good it just yeah i loved it and then i actually watched ozark like right when i got back from the ozarks Mm -hmm. with luke one funny thing from that was um we were watching the show together after we had been there and we were like oh yeah that's totally the Ozarks like we were there I I think I remember that mountain and then I was like yeah like do you think it was on the lake that we were on and he's like yeah let me check it out and then he googles it and he's like the Ozarks were filmed in Georgia for tax reasons I thought you were gonna say Canada it's always in Toronto New York (laughs) yeah exactly I know I was like which that reminds me that we actually um my family watched a lot of Schitt's Creek uh-huh. Uh, which is really hilarious like I Moira Rose is like the funniest person ever and we got Jocelyn to do if you're I don't I don't know if you saw the video but we got Jocelyn to do a cameo for Abby and Luke for their birthday um, no, which I was, yeah I'll send it to you it was really cool we can put it in the show notes <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but uh but yeah so like lots of lots of reading lots of tv i am now watching breaking bad which i hadn't mm-hmm. seen lots of like small group hangouts with family and like a couple people yeah Okay, and so then. What about you? Ah, what about me? So the first few months of quarantine, I just could not focus on anything. I couldn't watch anything. I couldn't yep. read anything. I I just don't even know what I was doing. Yeah. Um, my I do I really have vivid memories of those early weeks of like a Saturday morning ritual of like waking up, you know, whenever because who cares? <laughs> yeah. Um. And then watching Ugly Delicious on Netflix, which is this yeah. amazing show with David Chang, who has a new book, which I also think would be worth a read. Haven't read it. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, it's like kind of an Anthony Bourdain style, like food travel show, but um, he each episode is about a different type of food, like pizza or tacos or curry or whatever. And he explores the sort of cultural nuances of of each type of food and I just loved it so much it was amazing um and I mean lately we've been doing a lot more like series um Jack did all of Sex and the City which is (laughs) I I did it with him I encouraged him Um, that was an unexpected choice on his part I didn't well I I basically forced him into it because I said if you want to know me you need to know this yeah. <laughs> I think he may have pretended like it was against his will, but let's be honest, he loved it. And I'll never forget at the end, he was like, season one's kind of a slow start, season two gets good, and then season three is peak, and it gets to the end of season three, and I remember him ex- exclaiming as the credit, as the, you know, show ended, him going, oh my god, season three, that was amazing. <laughs> Um, yeah. doesn't surprise me yeah mm-hmm. so what's gonna what are you gonna keep for the long term is there any like anything that you think I want to keep this forever I think I really do want to be closer to my family mm-hmm. um I like the five of us do we are very different in a lot of ways um but we get along really well. I think another good thing is we are really good at making fun of one another <laughs> in, a, in a productive way. Like not in a like, your life is miserable and you've never done anything right kind of way. It's more mm-hmm. so like, why do you have that haircut, Luke, kind of yeah. stuff. <laughs> uh, and, but it keeps us like, it keeps us honest. So I think that, and, and I also really love spending time with both of my parents. And um, I think being in San Francisco was really great for, you know, I was out in California for about three years total, like with grad school plus San Francisco. And um, I really loved it. And I may have stayed there a little longer, but I do think like just with all, of, I have so much, so many more friends and family, including cousins, grandparents, et cetera, um, sort of between like Virginia and uh, New York that, I think California never really felt like home and um, you can't really like put a price on that. Uh, And so I do, I think that's probably one of the main things is I'm going to try and, and do that. And I think another one is I am going to try and do more reading and fewer podcasts because I think with podcasts, especially short ones, you really bounce around a lot and you kind of learn like the surface level about a lot of stuff, but you don't really go deep on much. And so I felt like when I was doing a lot of podcasts, um, I do it as in listening to not being brought on to be, clear. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, but like, yeah, yeah, you can sign a subscribe to Jake's takes on all forms. Jake's uh, takes. <laughs> yeah uh maybe no I'm, I'm kidding but uh like <laughs> yeah I feel like now that I've been doing more reading and like like I've, I've been doing a couple like statistics coding courses and then like a couple books at a time it's nice to really uh feel like I can like get a really good grasp on something instead of feeling like I know a little bit about a bunch of stuff but not enough mm-hmm. to like really do anything about it um, and, and one recommendation actually for, for books, a lot of people think it's weird, but um, I actually have been writing a Goodreads review for every book that I finish. Wow. Um, and it's only because it's helpful to like remember, um, it, like it just like writing a couple paragraphs will like really help jog your memory so that you can kind of come back to it and be like, oh yeah, I remember that. 
because uh, it's kind of a it's not fun to like have invested a lot of time in reading a book and then someone's like what's it about and you're like i have no idea uh, which now definitely happens swipe up for my review <laughs> yeah exactly yeah <laughs> don't forget to like and comment yeah um but but yeah so anyways those are like the main things and i think um but but it, like the things that i definitely will be doing more of once um once covid is over that i do really miss is like just being around groups of people and like dancing and like you know having people rap over my beats again i never hop in don't worry uh and like playing music with people and just like i don't know going to breweries and doing stuff like i i'm gonna try and say yes to more stuff i think mm -hmm. because a lot of times it's this weird thing where sometimes even on weekends like on a saturday afternoon i would tell myself i have to like spend a couple hours coding something um and and i i think like it's just, I don't know, you can, you can learn what you need to learn at work and like, you don't need to spend all of your time doing that. So yeah, I would say that's the main stuff. What about you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's the whole point of this show is about like finding more quality time and, and just sitting in it rather than like being on the go. You know, I've started going back to New York every couple of weeks for work and, um, and I was there this week and I, I like, I was so busy between like socializing and, and work and all of a sudden I'm like back in the groove of that old life. And, and then I come back to my, you know, relaxed suburban life and it's like, <laughs> it's so different. And I, I need to find a balance of like just slowing down and, and not feeling so frantic and sleeping enough and eating properly. And yeah. Yeah, and you don't realize at the time like how hectic stuff is until you mm -hmm. like take totally. a step away. Yeah, I feel like I've just had this little taste, even though it's like totally not normal. It, it's not normal, but I've had a taste of of it again, and I'm like, no, this is. I need to. I need. If we haven't learned anything, it's all been for nothing. You know. Right. Right. Yeah, and I'm also. I'm like really curious to see how long some of the learned behaviors of COVID mm -hmm. stick around. Like, I think one thing that I was thinking is, um, like if let's, you know, let's say you're like watching a movie or like watching Breaking Bad or whatever, like you see like a bunch of people together in a small room and you're like, no, God, no, what are yeah. you doing? Where's I know, when does it start showing up in like our, our cinema and, you know, <laughs> on TV? No, I know. Yeah, it's yeah. so, it's interesting and like, I think it's gonna be, I think one of the most interesting things will be to see like how um, how kids that have like been exposed to this, like as mm -hmm. they've been growing up adapt um, because you're so malleable in those first mm -hmm. like couple of years, you know, for us, you know, we, we still are malleable. Um, one of the books I read is about neuroplasticity. So, you know, it keeps going as you get older, <laughs> of course, um, but like, I, I don't know. I think some, some kids are going to like really learn some behaviors and, and it might be hard to adjust. And like, there's going to, I don't know, there's going to be a lot of interesting things in terms of like, are people going to do a lot more remote work? Like, I think I could see some type of like hybrid kind of thing where mm -hmm. people maybe like really work like heads down grind on stuff a few days a week, but then like yeah. convene and talk about stuff a few days. Um, obviously like education is a really big question around, um, like, I, you know, I think in pivot, uh, this is not my own finding of course, but they talk about how like Google is now starting, um, these like certifications so that people can get jobs there without having to, you know, shell out a bunch of money on college. Um, and so I'm really curious to see how like all of that stuff plays out. Um, it's. I mean, talk about like an odd natural experiment. Like there's gonna be so many like, you know, research papers about this, but but yeah, it's it's really interesting times, that's that's for sure. Wow, that was an awesome conversation. Very wide ranging both topic wise and geographically speaking. We covered the country a couple times and went and covered politics, family nights out, nights in, uh, what we love and, and what we're, you know, missing the most um, during this time. But uh, I, I really was great to hear um, about, about his experience. And I think it just underscores how unique each one of our pandemic experiences has been. Mm -hmm. what, what was your takeaway, Lauren? 
Yeah, I really, I, I found the politics discussion really interesting, um, learning about the sort of um, state races and how volunteering's not that easy, and even for someone so highly skilled as him. Um, yeah, so I loved that part of the conversation. And then, of course, reliving the Zoom birthday party. Never Epic. forget. Epic party. Yeah. April. April. It was, it was the day before my birthday in April, and I remember feeling like, wow, I'll never go to a party as epic as this on Zoom, <laughs> let alone host one. Yeah, no, it was great. And, and uh, I think he really touched on it, but the uh, family link, I've been able to be part of their family for the last 10 years, really. And, uh, you know, being able to uh, hear about that from the source is really, um, was really special. And uh, I think that's one of the other sort of themes is that, you know, at the end of the day, it's friends and family uh, that we rely on and we count on. So. All right. So that's it for another week. Yeah. Give us a follow at more.quality.time. A change from last week. Whatever. Roll with it. It's called iterating. <laughs> um, make review, subscribe. Yeah. Thanks very much. Talk to you next week. <laughs>